Hello, this is Alison Roberts, and you're listening to the Clon Bikecast for your news for the Clonkilty Bicycle Festival and beyond. Today, I'm speaking with Bernadette Connolly of the Cork Environmental Forum. We discuss government and local authority structures and how we can work with them to create safer, more pedestrian and cycle-friendly streets. Bernie is a longtime advocate for mixed mode and active travel and has recently run for the Green Party. She's been a great support for our bicycle festival and I was really looking forward to our chat. Bernie, thank you so much for joining me here today in this lovely music studio that Justin lets us use to record the podcast. I am very happy for the opportunity to kind of probe a bit deeper and get to know you and what makes you tick a bit. Um, so I just want to start off by asking you like, about your relationship with bicycles. Can you, tell, can you tell me about how bikes and even walking has played a role in your life and has led you to where you are now? Okay, so firstly, I'm delighted to do this as well. Um, I guess I grew up in a household where we didn't have a car. Neither of my parents drove all my life. So basically... Um, active travel was a big part of my young days so we used to walk from to school a mile which from when we were five you know it's amazing now five-year-olds walking a mile to school but we did that every day and also then they were kind of secondhand bikes around the place I had a younger brother he would have some secondhand bikes and stuff and I remember we used to use those and kind of just go off on adventures down to the beach or we'd go off for picnics down the Beara and that but I guess we all worked, you know, I grew up in Glengariff, beautiful seaside little village and very touristy. So I worked in as a waitress from my young days, you know, from being a teenager. And I bought my very first bike. I remember my mother paid for half of it and I paid for half. And it was great to have your own bike. And just I used to cycle to my summer job on that because it was about a mile and a quarter from where I lived. So basically our our relationship with active travel was really embedded from when we were young my parents my dad um worked as a bus conductor so actually we had a really good public um transport service in Glengarve and we lived right on the main road so we there was a three daily um, bus service to Cork and I think it hasn't increased anymore in over 50 years so it's amazing so the bus and walking and cycling was how we got around and we actually managed fine and we didn't feel disadvantaged really um I did have an aunt who had a car and would come visit on a Sunday maybe and take us for spins out now and again. But other than that, um, we didn't really miss it and it was it was really good. It going to school, you know, we walked we were the furthest probably from the school in that catchment. So all along you'd pick up with friends on the way. So there was a really nice social thing as well of all of us, you know, walking younger kids, older kids, walking to school, walking back and having fun and being late home for your dinner and things like that. But it was um it was just what I grew up with and I was 28 before I learned to drive. So, you know, I went a big way of my life, I think, you know, not having that rural angst that a lot of people seem to have that they want to have their car and to be independent. I guess I went to college in the city, so I didn't need it. And I used to cycle. I used to live um, over towards St. Luke's. So I used to cycle from there and I went to the regional tech, which is CIT now. Um, So that was so I used to cross the city every day and I used to do that by bike. So that was really handy. And then I lived in Dublin. So I lived in cities a good bit. I lived in London as well. Really good public transport system. I lived in Australia, you know. So again, good public transport system. Even using a boat to get from where I lived in Balmain to Circular Quay and then a train across to North Sydney. So it was it was great. So really, I've always had a very good relationship and a positive relationship with um, 
public transport and active travel. And I love trains. Trains are my favourite, actually. So, you know, I go to Dublin a lot because of my work and I would never even dream of driving there. And I don't like the bus on that journey when you're trying to work, but I just love trains. You know, they just are amazing. We share a love of trains. We love trains (laughs) and we love trains and bikes together. We think they're a match made in heaven. Oh, yes. Taking your bike on a train and then just having the freedom when you get there. Yeah. Um, and your bike carries all your bags for you and the train carries you along and you can do your work. We love trains. Yeah. Um, so now, so you were telling me now you use bikes more. You'll If you go up to Dublin or Cork, you'll use the share bike schemes. How are those for you? Yeah, how, so how yeah, I have a, car, a membership card for the one in Cork. I use that most often. It's really handy. It's great to get around the city. Um, you know, if you have a meeting in City Hall and then you've got to go to the other side of the city, maybe to UCC or somewhere, then it's brilliant, you know. Um, it's much easier to get around that way um, and you can fit a lot more in. It's just that it's very limited. I mean, it's a pity I would have occasion to go down to Blackrock Castle or the marina, places like that, or even out to Blackpool. And there is no, um, you know, it, it hasn't extended along there. And it's disappointing in the new route extension as well, particularly when people are, you know, moving over to Ireland, they don't have other forms of transport. And if people can get into the active travel, it's really, really useful to do that. Yeah, because so. once you're in, you're in. Yeah, That's the thing, isn't exactly. it? Exactly, yeah. You yeah. don't really give it up very easily once you realise how, how convenient and great it is and cheap. Um, can you tell, um, for the benefit of our listeners, a bit about the Cork Environmental Forum, how long it's been going and what you do within the forum? Okay, so the forum is around since 1995. It was um, set up by other people. I wasn't around then, but the founders were inspired by the Rio Earth Conference in 1992. So that was the first conference that really looked at environment and sustainable development. And they set it up very much with the support of the then county manager, Noel Dillon, who unfortunately is deceased now. So, um, But he was a great advocate for having a forum like CEF. And it's the forum in the old Roman sense of the word where it brings together all sectors of society. So we have pillars that are representing individual interest in the environment, but also the public sector, private sector and um, community and voluntary sectors so we would have those as members and then as representatives on the management committee as well and that's really important that structure that you involve everybody the idea of the local agenda 21 process was everybody was responsible and everyone need to be needed to be engaged in the sustainable um, development of our countries societies everything so we weren't going to deliver it unless we had everybody on board so we've always worked with that um it hasn't been easy always getting the private sector involved is becoming a bit easier in the past it it was it's sporadic you know some people are interested but um i think people are much more aware now a a big part of our initial work was just making people aware of the issues and i brought you along the transportation priorities that were developed by people in the early days so policy was a really important area and we developed um, I think there's 19 policy papers now the first one was the sustainability principles which still stand and hold together now and then we did various different ones we did ones on planning and housing before we did the transportation priorities but the, the policies still stand up today in terms of what we should be doing to make things more sustainable so I think policy was a big area um, and still is a big area for us. We make a lot of submissions. We try and influence policy from an environmental perspective, but raising awareness and educating people around um, sustainability issues, whether it's through our Greener Living Programme, which is um, as eight topics, and it's just trying to bring behavioural change, but in a very nice peer-to-peer led educational structure. And one thing we do really well, I think, in CEF, 
because perhaps of that structure and that idea of working well together is we collaborate really really well so we've lots of collaborations now and we've appreciated your collaborations <laughs> over the years as well so would a CEF then is it would it be considered a non-government organization yeah so it's an NGO some of the founders in the past didn't like the NGO title but it is an NGO it's a non-governmental organization um with um it's you know we're a limited company and we also have charitable status so you know all the governance structures are there and we adhere very much to that and that's really important for all organizations and then we do get our primary our funding comes from Cork City and Cork County and then we used to get funding from the Department of the Environment as well and then we get little tranches of funding from other bodies maybe from the HSC we would get maybe project funding as well from different different areas so and I'd Im- I imagine a lot of the people who you work with too there, there'd be a lot of volunteers involved in Cork kind of doing some of the legwork so it'd be a huge amount I mean as much resource as money coming in but there'd be a lot of resource which is volunteer yeah huge resource with volunteers all our management committee are voluntary and they don't just give their monthly meeting time they're all involved in projects some of them are involved in you know updating the gap materials and all sorts of different um, initiatives so they're all really proactive volunteers and then we have members and some members are very proactive as well um is there a similar um forums or organizations in dublin limerick Galway? um we we always say we're unique because we kept that local agenda kind of structure of the four pillars but there are other forums around there's a wexford forum we a few there's a few more forums actually have set up recently so that's really good to see i mean we tried to say that this is a structure that should be in every county which we believe it should be in every county and based on that kind of engagement of all everybody what has happened with a lot of environmental forums they've they've kind of been very much driven by environmental activists and okay even the people we have on board from maybe the private sector community and voluntary sector have an interest in the environment and are motivated to be involved but it's still really key that everybody is represented you know so that we hear all the voices i think that idea of you know discussing things trying to come to shared positions trying to understand from different perspectives is the whole basis of collaboration really and it's the sustainable development goal 17 which i think is probably the most important there's really great collaborations in say ECOWEL, um in the tmf in a whole host of different areas so it, it varies and that's how it is in life but we need to learn that skill of collaborating well because definitely the benefits outweigh the effort that has to go into it yeah and the tmf you mentioned there's the transport mobility forum and they're cork based as well aren't they so they're cork based so we applied to the eu to their um sustainable urban mobility um fund in 2012 for a mixture mode initiative and in the application we had to put down a whole range of partners so actually we got bus and irish rail city council county council green schools a lot of partners involved at that stage to just do this one project and we mainly spent a lot of that money at the time it was seven thousand i remember and we spent about four on um, pr but it, we really wanted to highlight the mix the modal mix that we had in cork and how to try and get people more involved so we actually did it with red fm and it got great traction you know and um, it was it was really good everyone is represented around the table and it's it's fantastic including and one, probably cork cycling campaigns in there cork cycling campaign of is, course the, yes, the obvious uh, cork community bikes yeah. and you know yeah. all, all of the advocates who've been around for such a long time so i was hoping to um get you just to because of your expertise and you've got a, a such a history of working with government and like that policy and writing applications for funding and um I just to explain to me and the listeners a little bit um in this 
particular episode of the podcast about how just government structures and the local authority structure kind of works. So I suppose maybe um, for me, I always get stuck on, you know, there's the council and then there's the councillors and then there's, you know, you're the local authority and there's all these language and you don't know, maybe as a small community organisation and especially um, in rural Ireland, everything, everybody's jobs are kind of maybe overlapping and maybe there's one person that does three jobs. Um, how, if, if we're trying to make changes in our community, where should we go? How and how do those people work together? Yeah, um, it's it's really difficult and it works differently at different times. Um, so I guess there's been a lot of changes in the transport areas. So the National Transport Authority was set up in 2009 and that took over some of the functions of the Department of Transport and then it gives out a lot of licenses around public transport. Um, it, it started with more of an emphasis on Dublin and it does do a lot in the city, but it does very little really in, in the county structure. But yet it does, um, you know, it does have an impact because all our national roads, all of that, you know, they have a big say in that. So Transport for Ireland or the NTA, as it's called, has a huge impact in what, what's done locally. And it's to do with resourcing as well. So local authorities are hamstrung sometimes because their resource levels are really um not adequate exactly. for what they really want to do and but but also it's used sometimes as an excuse so the local authorities have a roads and transportation section we've had really good relationships with people um you know at times in those that have been very proactive and unfortunately even though the system should work and the system should really be trying to roll out the more sustainable travel we've had like in Cork alone even in the city but now in um, the metropolitan area which expands quite a quite a ways um you know we've had lots of plans we've had 40 years ago talking about park and rides and 40 years later we still only have one park and ride you know in the city which affects actually traffic coming in from the county you know with the commuters um even in the national transport authority it has its cycling strategy and we know that in Cork County, the commuting by bike in the county is only 1%. And yet in the cycling strategy, the target for 2020 for this year is 10%. So we're nowhere near that. So the accountability and the target mechanisms don't seem to always, you know, go hand in hand. Like who, if, if you don't reach that, there's always an excuse of we didn't have the money or we didn't have the resource. But actually, a lot of the time, what's missing is the will or the willingness or the impetus. And I would say that in the local authority structures, the elected councillors have huge sway and say in what happens or what doesn't happen. And I'll give you an example. It's a disappointing example rather than a positive example. There probably are some positive examples too. But, you know, recently in Cork City, we had a plan for the Wilton Road. And rather than even look at maybe adjusting the plan, changing it a little bit, it was voted down by by council even though we've declared a climate emergency even though we've declared all these issues even though we know that air quality is going down so the councillors you know in the majority voted down that um that plan for the wilton road so that's one example where you know active travel and public transport didn't take precedent over the car again and then we had this awful situation which i think is an awful situation in the county where you had the manager um you know change the make a variation to the county development plan for out for a retail outlet center and they even identified a site and carry tool for that without having a joint retail strategy put together and it's 
so counter to the transport issue rather than build up like the towns the east cork towns of middleton and cove to actually put this retail outlets in it which we know even in kildare it's mainly cars visit these places and that's the only way that people can get to places like that often so it is really retrograde in our view and even after covid they had another meeting of the councillors and only three councillors voted against you know they have a direction from the minister it's rare that a minister gets involved in these kind of issues and yet the councillors even after covid even after seeing the way people had switched and that the public actually have a desire and a need and a want to actually travel more actively and travel more by public transport even though obviously there are considerations now that are difficult for public transport but still people want to travel more actively and yet they still voted in favour of what had been changed so the councillors have huge sway in a way and that is maybe where you need to start with your local elected representatives um, to try and get them on the same page as you are to try and get them influencing things. I would say within the local authorities then, there is a strategic policy committee which um, has councillors, has staff of the councils and also has representatives. So they have a union rep, they have, they have different external reps. I've been on the environment SPC in the county and also the economic SPC. Other people sit on the transport SPC. And through that, like in the city, Stefan Cock, who's the chairperson of the Transport and Mobility Forum, sits in it. So through that as well, you can bring in issues and get them discussed and raised. But we really need to be winning over more. Like councillors need to be representing better, you know, the groundswell that's there in the public. Um, so I think we all have power, but we don't exert that power often enough, I think. You're listening to the Clon Bikecast. Today, Alison is interviewing Bernadette Connolly of the Cork Environmental Forum on how to create positive change for cyclists and pedestrians in your community by working alongside your local authority. We'd love to hear from you if you'd like to send us a line. Head to clonakiltybicyclefestival.org or send us an email, clonbikefest at gmail.com. And now on with the interview. Recently in Cork, though, you have had some big wins. I think it was just last week, was it, that there was um, you were going to get some more temporary cycle lanes that hopefully will become permanent very quickly? Yeah, and the so, pedestrianisation of um, a number of streets, like the marina and a number of other streets. And it's, it's brilliant. Like, you know, the things that people said were impossible post-COVID. Now, you can't say that anymore. There is no way we can allow things to go back to we can't do it we can do it when there's a will so we've seen now how actually easy it is and how once there is a a need and people in authority and people with the responsibility can see the need that you actually can make the changes that people really require and also for the city and the county we have targets to reach we have climate action plans we we have our plans and we don't we're not taking action enough so i think in the county we have this act and that activation you know in the towns so that's really we'll see how how that gets delivered but there has been funding released from the nta around that and you know it's important then that whatever is rolled out there that we um you know take advantage that we build on those legacies and that we really try and make our towns and our, our commutes between places as well possible safely by bike i mean i've heard from people directly that a lot of kids have been cycling you know from bandon down to um 
the beaches. The beaches, yeah. Some. And now that the traffic has come back since last week, they don't feel as safe as they did. For the so same. now they're kind of reluctant to do it again. And yet, for me, like, as I said, growing up in Glengariff, you know, when I guess in the 70s, it was quite enough on the roads. Lots of people only had one household cars if they had, and we had no car. So, um, you know, it was safe enough to cycle then. And, you know, it was such a joy, you know, like to get out and be free and there's a freedom on the bike that you don't get in anything else really you know walking's a bit of a torture <laughs> if you have to walk that distance so you know it really gives kids um an independence and we've seen it in um the dutch film why we cycle that it's it's the elements we don't think of that are really beneficial the way the kids become more independent and develop their own sense of you know key um, engagements communications with other people and that uh, it, that really are the positives that you get from these yeah, type of things and they're so. not very easy to measure and like the film motherload that we watched during the bike festival which you sat on the panel for it was really interesting just to think about the sensory aspect of it the fact that you're actually immersing yourself in the environment when you're cycling um, and that actually opens you to look after you, you see your neighbors in a different way you see their your landscape in a different way and that frames the way you see your community in a different way which changes the way you interact with your community it's very nuanced and very yeah. it's not the easy to measure stuff but it does have a massive impact i was going to say you were mentioned there the nta the national transport authority and their guidelines and um i'm interested about so and you also mentioned legislation that the goals for 2020. And one thing I was interested in seeing that was, I think it was Fianna Fáil, was it, that put through the, um, should be safe cycle routes to schools by 2020, every school in the country, safe cycle routes to schools. So just picking on that one example, I'd love for you to just, if you can, help me understand how a government, this is actually me being, you know, perhaps optimistically naive how can a government make a statement like that and then yet when 2020 rolls around be so far from it so how does the trickle down happen how can we better understand the trickle down so say in Clonakilty we have no safe routes for schools um so if we want a safe route for school which we do and we say this has been promised and the government you know the Mm -hmm. government was behind this how can we is there a way for us to act to help help them connect those dots easier to say this is i mean i'm sure that's what you do all the time but this is what's been promised so therefore you should deliver it how come that doesn't can you explain to me why that doesn't <laughs> because when it when it comes down like i suppose so there's a lot of high level policy so the, the county development plan for instance is out for public consultation at the moment until the 2nd of July which is really our more local level plan um it's they call it forward planning it'll be from 2022 to 2028 so what's in that so at the moment they're looking at the high level strategic kind of goals of that plan and then they say that they are fed in from the regional spatial and economic strategy and fed in from the national planning framework so the national planning framework would have all sorts of you know great ideas around transport as well and would as would the Reese's but actually at the end of the day it's what gets delivered it's what matters to people on the ground in their everyday life and really that does come down a lot of the time to the work of the local authority the work of the school you know like departments will make policy at a very high level but actually it has to be implemented at a very local level so partly it is very much the momentum that's coming from the ground I mean I think the only thing that gets reacted to aside from if a government minister says you have to do this is if 
the community really come up in arms and say we really need this and there's that there's that grassroots push where it meets then the policy you know so I think it's really it's really challenging because a lot of the time there's as I said there's all sorts of excuses for not doing things and we unfortunately agencies of the state seem to look for the reasons why not to do things rather than the solution around things so there's always a solution so the safe routes to school it's absolutely ridiculous that that isn't happening um we've had a, a few campaigns that the transport mobility forum have been involved with so the um and we've written to both local authorities as well about you know the space making more space for pedestrians and cyclists but also the safer school route we've just signed a letter as well for um it's a national campaign as well um based in w- one school in dublin and a whole lot of people have signed that and you know, so there's momentum growing around these things. They, I, I don't know if you saw it, but the Irish Doctors for the Environment have that yep. campaign for CUH and, yep. and the roots there. So it's really good that it's not the usual suspects because I think actually they stop listening to, you know, when you've been around so long, they actually stop listening to you. And then it's really good if more people, we, we just have from to, all sectors, from across. all sectors. And I think here locally, like what, what, what you need to do, I suppose, Alison, is to get that momentum in the town, say, for instance, in Clannacilty for safe routes to school, you know, be talking to the chamber. It, it needs the chamber people to understand. It needs, um, you know, the people in the hospitality sector, the people, you know, that are involved in tourism, pe- people who are the parents of the young kids. But it, you need the other people outside of that as well to say, yeah, you know, this this is what we need. This is the kind of town we want to be. We want to actually have our kids so that they can go safely. So, for example, school. if I were to do, um, I was talking to Mairead Forsyth about the Love 30 movement in Ireland. If oh, we yeah. wanted to take, um, say, change a speed limit or ask for something even a simple thing, you know, a shared road signage or something. And you got a petition, say you got everyone's support, everyone was behind you in the town. Where would you take that petition first? I, I would take it to the county council because I know that it is the local authorities that can do that. And for instance, we've done it a lot in Cork in a good number of streets. So it does go before full council and it goes before the members. So this is a Can you tell me how you would do that? Like what are the steps involved in taking it in front of the local your the local council local council you could you could actually send it you could you could send it to the manager and copy the director of roads and transportation and you could also send it to the chairperson of the transport spc um the the other way is to talk to those members that are involved in specifically in the roads and transport spc because what happens is often in the policy committees things come before them then they might approve something, but then it has to go through full council as well. So the, the they call them the members. The elected councillors have huge say. And they can also bring, they could also bring um, a motion for you in full council as well. In my experience, it has to go right through the different channels, you know, to be approved. I, I think it depends on how amenable your, your local engineer is and how, um, how you can get them to support you and help you in doing this like that makes a big difference if you have someone who's supportive and interested if you don't and i know it's it's a real challenge because the issue we have this issue now we we had two very supportive people as i said in roads and transportation they've changed the 
way that the city council st- structure is now so it's strategic and operational and people have been moved out of departments and the two people we had really good re- long-term relationships you know no are no longer there so now we have to start again from scratch almost to say okay who do we work with so we we find those challenges as well and sometimes it is down to the individual it shouldn't be the system should work for the community but it's really really that's difficult that's what I find, I find interesting that you know there's promises on a high level and that's what we vote for and then there's this trickle down effect but it actually on a local level it's actually comes down it often comes down to one individual they don't have the resources to tackle this problem the other problem that i'm seeing seems over and over again when i speak to people is a lack of education around how to implement um active mobility systems or infrastructure mm-hmm. into your communities because um you know they haven't when they were trained as engineers they didn't have that wasn't a priority it's become a priority Mm. in the last uh, 10 years only very Mm. recently that it's actually become something that the government is talking about and that the government are saying yes to and that they're saying yes we're going to have cycle routes by 2020 yes you know you're going to be able to Mm -hmm. you should be able to walk across the street on a pedestrian crossway they're saying that but it's not being matched by training and in any other sphere of work doctors you know lawyers officials you get on the job training and i feel like there's a a missing link there for on the job training for local area engineers they're being almost left in their desks Mm. in their offices it's kind of like the village priest you know they're just they're on their own there and they're not almost connecting into the bigger body properly and i feel like there's a piece around maybe we need we need some system definitely where where targets that we have whether it's around water quality or whether it's around um you know active mobility or whatever there needs to be a better system where there's accountability and transparency around what is delivered and why things don't get delivered because like you know we've seen the new program for government whether it's going to go ahead or not i mean it gives great hope in the transport section you know flipping the spend i mean this is where the root of all the problems are really is that the car has been come king of the road and then that's the only concern that's the predominant um message that we get that's the predominant way that people are voting that is the it takes precedent over everything else and like the benefits that we see from the other side of that are just massive i mean even in terms of the spend for people and the efficiencies that are there but that hasn't sunk in yet it hasn't sunk in to both the people who are employed as you say um and do they get did they get um development in their role i don't know whether it's compulsory or voluntary what the people attend we have a job to do to try and persuade people um that this is a good thing but i think the momentum of ordinary people living who are residents who live in an area have have the clout really we're often told you know even on policy they expect to get a submission from cork environmental form but if a hundred people from an area put in a submission even just about the school routes well, they're going, my goodness, 100 people in Clonakilty care about safe routes to school. And this you is put amazing. that into your local representative, your local councillor. Yeah, but you could put it into the to the planning plan, to the um, county development plan as well. If that's your single issue yeah. and you think this is the most important thing that we need yeah. in this town, then you have a right to express that. And the more people that come on board with that, the better. So, I mean, it, it they do take notice of basically they're voters i think and and it's it's a it's not the most satisfactory way 
unless you have really good people that will really push for things to happen. And we know they can happen now from COVID. So I think, you know, we have Julia Valone, you know, the county architect. She's fantastic. She's working, um, you know, she worked on Clon. So, you know, it, it helped the public realm here. But there's more to be done, you know, definitely. And um, it would be really good to... So you have really good people and it's it's where there's blockages and shifts like they've tried something in Cove recently and there's been a pushback on that um, because they've tried to extend the area for walking cycling and there was a pushback there and it's just the people the few voices that are really for the car you know dominance seem to be the voices that are listened to rather than the general public so we have to change that yeah i'm gonna do um we're gonna do an episode on um examples of fantastic cities because anywhere i've been in the world um and visited towns the size of clonakilty or bigger that have gone you know to more active modes of transport the, the proof is in the pudding like they they the commerce is thriving the towns are thriving you know people are yeah. healthy and smiling so it's not an issue of whether or not it will be good that's what's interesting to me too the proof is there and the, the statistics are there and the studies yeah. are there so um it's trying to match up line up all the dots properly and i think one thing that yeah. always strikes me is like as a volunteer you know you've got you've got kids you've got other work to do you've got other commitments so it's how to make the most efficient use of volunteer time because one thing you know we are volunteers and we're not at the end of the day we're, we're working with people who obviously are getting paid in positions and doing work um, and not to be seen and, and to be I think it, it would be great to be to be heard and listened to directly rather than you know going around the going round mm. and round too much in circles people people lose hope and people give up because they just we just don't have the time as volunteers um, and they unfortunately do have the time if they're getting paid to do a desk job to, to say oh I'll look at it next week I'll look at it next week I'll look yeah. at it next week um but they say that too many times you run out of stamina so i was just wondering yeah. we've been chatting for a while and i would love to know if you've got off the top in your brain a really positive example of something that's come out that you worked hard to get and then you were delighted i mean it could be you've already said a couple examples there with patrick street was a watered down version and but we had um we've got some new bike lanes coming in was there anything yeah. maybe on the I meeting Anything, anything that's, I'm trying to think of anything really in the, in the county, I suppose, like even with the greenways, they're brilliant and all of that. But I think they really need to be not thought of in the idea of just for tourism, that they have a dual purpose. So they have a commuting purpose, a leisure purpose for people just in general. And that they, so, you know, um, the one in East Cork is going ahead now. So that's really positive. So that's a good thing. Um, but I think I think what it comes back to is it's not necessarily the big ticket items like the greenways that are really important. What makes the most difference for people is like you living in Clannacilty, knowing your kids can safely walk or cycle to school. And also just the, the permeability and the connectivity. This is an issue that we're seeing like that. You might need one small intervention to just make a uh, a pathway through you know we've blocked up lots of the laneways because you know antisocial behavior is kind of always cited as the issue the big fear but actually like permeability and connectivity and linking up the i mean it's so disappointing here that like the bike scheme because of insurance is just seized at the moment that's really sad because it was the one bike scheme that was set up with momentum from business here and from people themselves and and it's it's really sad like that was a good example of what local communities can do 
and then you have those kind of blockages as well. Unfortunately, what we come up against is these are all initiatives that don't require infrastructure. So we have our community bike workshop, we have our bike festival, we had our we had our our bike scheme that is hopefully it's just being shelved. It's the fleets being, um, you know, we're selling off a bunch of the bikes. There's going to be fewer bikes, but hopefully it'll come back again once we can sort once the insurance can get sorted for them. But um, it's the infrastructure stuff. So it's none of those we need to get any permission from any council. We can just people can just go in yeah. Clonakilty. One thing that's amazing and why we live here and why we love it is there's this amazing attitude between people in the community. Like, oh, what are you up to? Oh, this is what I'm interested in. Amazing. Yeah. Go for it. Well done. Great. So yeah. there's lots of cute. You know, there's festivals and there's so many things that are. Yeah, led by people of the community, taken on fully by volunteers and people of the community, and they are fantastic. But it seems to be there's a lot of, but on an infrastructure level, that is not something that we can make changes to. If we put up signs, they'll be taken down. You know, we're not allowed to do certain things, and those are the things that we are now. I'm hoping because we've we've already got so much going for cycling in the town that this could be very easily of the flick of a switch a very cycle friendly area if you put up a few signs and a, p- a few share the road signs, you know yeah. a few local maybe low low slow vehicle priority lanes it would be very very easily a, a hot spot for cycling and you could advertise it as such but you can't really advertise it as a cycle friendly town if there's no signs or anywhere to cycle. Yeah. Have you just Alison on that? Because it's it's interesting. It depends on who listens to who. This is something you always have to ask. Who's listening to who? So who has the the power, the voice or whatever, you know? So like, say, Fall to Ireland. I thought it was interesting during lockdown. Even somebody from there, I think, talking about the future for even tourism is going to be outdoor eco. You know, exactly. We need to do this stuff because whether you're more interested in whether the tourism sector gets off the ground or whether you're really interested in how local people can live it's a benefit for both so it's kind of part of it is being clever about where the leverage is and who's listening to who because you know who's got the year of the county manager who's got the year of the director of roads and transport who's you know and and if it's not working locally for you at the at the local engineer level, I would say that you have you know you have every right to actually you know be ringing the director of services in the road section every Monday morning, like because what they don't want is to be nagged about stuff, and you know and and you need to nag people if they're not delivering for for us, you know. And I mean, I think it's ridiculous. You can't get signage up, you know. Um, there's really no excuse for that. It's a small. It's a small amount, and the amount of times that Clonakilty is used as the great big example, but in reality, if you can't even get a few signs up to support cycling in the area, then that's a really poor reflection of yeah. the support that's actually there. I've you still know. got my fingers crossed that they'll magically come through, but I, I believe that, yeah, there's, there's, there's more. It's been years and years and years. Yeah. So we didn't get our positive example, I don't think, out of you, Bernie. <laughs> well, a positive example is funny. Just in the city, and, and it, it's kind of important because it comes back. It's not necessarily a transport thing, but it came through the Transport and Mobility Forum. But it actually is, in a way. Um, we got a lovely parklet put in at the end of Douglas Street. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. It's, it's lovely. And... W- and this is where when collaborations work, that it really is fantastic. So Cork City Council had a placemaking fund of 10,000 people could apply for it. They, um, we applied for it under the TMF and they were successful. And we got this beautiful parklet done by Bin Space down in the marina. 
And luckily, the Douglas Business Association is so proactive, so positive, so well endowed to making its street the best street it can be. And there's a wonderful woman in the flower shop there, Justine. And Justine looks after the parklet during the day. She has it planted up beautifully outside her air, outside of her premises. And then the pub across the way keeps an eye on it at night. It has never been damaged. There is no antisocial behaviour that, you know, people would be afraid of or that. But where, where it fits in in transport is like we heard a lovely story about an older couple who she walks into town to do some shopping but her husband can't walk that far so he sits in the parklet you know maybe gets coffee from the flower shop and just it's a space that helps with that travel and people are people have meetings there all the time as well you know which is brilliant so it's about how different things in a street can actually help to make that street more vibrant more alive and there are some bike parking there is bike parking with it as well. And like we're trying to get some more bike parking on that street. So that's really positive. And I think what's really nice about that is you have the business association. You have, you know, different people involved in the street involved and everybody on the TMF. And then you have lovely people in bin space who are trying to as well promote that whole skill, craft and trades. So it's it's yep. a really lovely example. Um, Equally here in Clonakilty, we do have 600 metres of um, the beginning. It's called a walkway now, but the hope oh, yes. is that it's going to become part of a big greenway. And like you said, that's a big solution and it, it will take a lot of time. But it's amazing to me. It makes me so happy to see. We've only just started recently going and we go up the hill because Ari's now four and a half and we kind of tow him up the hill on his bike and then let him go. And he can he can cycle from beyond the beginning of the greenway where it's flat he can cycle about a kilometer and back so he does about two k's on his bike in a flat place and there's roller skaters and there's you know kids on kids on bikes and people walking and people stopping and resting and it's amazing to see even just a small and that's outside of the town oh yeah that's not even in the town center so a little strip of 600 meters and how much of a difference it can make to people's well-being and 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 you know their their joy of just being in the town and, and that's right next to the N seventy one. I mean it's it's very busy. It's a it's it's protected. There's green space in between, but it's noisy. But it it shows the demand if people are flocking to a place like that. Oh, On yeah. the one side, there's a beautiful lake, and there's also the ten thousand tree project, which is going ahead. People are planting trees, and we do have a fantastic tidy towns committee, and there's some beautiful gardens and spaces. So. We do have some beautiful spaces around the town. And if we yeah. can match it with our, our active mobility infrastructure, I think, I think you know, Clonakilty yeah. would just fly to new heights. So, but, but I think even that little stretch of Greenway, it's brilliant. But again, it just shows it's like it's supposed to go out to the park, the industrial park, and it doesn't. And in a way, you know, as you say, it's up the hill. It's fantastic resource, but it's such a limited resource. And the demand is ma- like I've always thought that lake should have been opened up anyway, because it's such a beautiful space for nature and biodiversity and everything. And it's just great that, you know, you have that access now. So it, it is fantastic. And I've been on it myself, but, you know, it's again a half finished project, you know, so like we, we don't seem to do things to the excellent standards that we ought to. Like you wouldn't see that in another country. You wouldn't see it kind of a half made thing and then we'll do the other bit when like th- that's the question people are asking when is it actually going to be you know fully extended out to the to the park and no doubt it will be but to the park need... and then all the way to Cormac Sherry yeah. is the idea which would be 
Amazing, yeah. Fantastic. But in the meantime, a few signposts on our borings would do the trick yeah. to get us back and forth to the beaches. But I think on a positive note, Alison, you've always been around. You've really brought, you know, the whole biking in Clonakilty to the fore. Keeping the festival going, even in a lockdown situation, was fantastic. And I think the good thing is now more places are looking at it, like Bandon's really looking at it. They would love a green way from, you know, Bandon to Inishannon, which on the other side of the river does make sense. Um, and there's so much, but I think one of the things is we really need to work on is those safe cycle routes to schools, but also safe cycle routes, because in our in rural Ireland mostly you can get to, from one town to the other by about three different eight different ways, yeah. <laughs> and we should be, you know, lowering the speed limits on some of the L roads. And Absolutely. I would love to see that being done co-designed, not the council coming and saying we've decided that this road is going to be thirty k and a priority walking cycling route, but actually people in that area decide which are the routes that they would use and what are the ones that would be the right ones to prioritize recycling and walking so we definitely need to do those type of things but i think the momentum is there now you've been listening to another episode of the clon bike cast special thanks this week to bernadette Connolly and my co-host justin grounds Stay tuned for more episodes in this series on how to work with your local authority to get the safer, quieter streets we need for pedestrians and cyclists.